Spire. Inspire. This is Starting Now, a show about change, resilience, and your next big idea. I'm Jeff Saris. Today, my guest is Chris Healy, who may be better known as El Rubio. Chris is the co-founder of The Lawn Hairs, a global fraternity for men with long hair. And for years, The Lawn Hairs has been my go-to example on how to build an engaged community. As that community grew, they then expanded into a product company and eventually found themselves on Shark Tank, where they struck a deal with Mark Cuban. Anyway, I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. So without further ado, let's get started. All righty. So, Chris, thank you for doing this and being on the podcast. Absolutely, man. Pumped to be here. Yeah, I am really excited. I think this is going to be a really insightful conversation for the audience because you and Lindsay have found a way to take take this passion project of sorts, like this this very niche topic and you made a business out of it and i think that is that is just phenomenal and i know a lot of people out there are going to really be be curious to see how how you did that so let's let's hear sort of who you are and what is it that you are running yeah absolutely so i'm chris healy i go more often by el rubio in these circles uh my partner is lindsey barto barto he goes by el moreno these are just monikers that kind of just were created as we started up this project. Uh, our business is called The Long Hairs. We're a global fraternity for guys growing their hair. We Our flagship product is Hair Ties for Guys. We also have shampoo, conditioner, hair serum, head wraps, some apparel, things like that. Really everything for guys growing their hair. But it's really a lot more than products. We really have established a community through creating consistent, original I'd like to say quality content over the last uh, about six years, Uh, everything from tips and tutorials for guys growing their hair out for the first time, different ways to style your hair, how to take care of it, brushing, braiding, tying it up. Uh, We have a pretty good mix of content from written video, podcast, photography, and every week we publish. We really started out just as pretty much just content creators But we set out in the very beginning and said we're going to publish one blog post every single week. And we're up to, I think, 324 consecutive weeks now. We've never missed. And the content really is the heartbeat of our brand. That's really what has allowed us to attract and build uh, a really excellent community that is uh, probably, uh, both of us would say, what we're most proud about is the the community that we have developed here, mostly guys and guys growing their hair, but also women, friends, family, and others who are supportive of the notion of hair equality, meaning that anyone should be able to grow their hair as long or as short as they like, and it's your hair and it's your choice. And that really is one of the foundations of our business as well. Yeah, there is so much to unpack there. It is, I mean, it is such a community-driven project. Like you have crushed it there. But before we get to to the community side, what were you guys doing right before the lawn hairs? Uh, great question. It really is part of the whole story. We had actually started a digital agency called Round Two Creative Group, just me and Lindsay, 
We were doing websites for clients. Neither one of us had ever worked for an agency before, so had no idea what the hell we were doing. We started off selling $500 websites. Took us a while getting killed in that business uh, to really start getting good at it. Lindsay has a background in development and design and interactive media. I have more of a background in writing and communication and our skill sets really mixed together nicely, even though we had no experience, but through education and practice and just sticking to it and hard work, we built up that agency to a point where it really was our sole income for probably about four or five years. And the long hair is developed as a side project out of that. So we were web guys for a pretty good period of time. And that led into the side project. And ultimately, we went full time with the long hairs and have since closed down the marketing agency entirely. And what year did you start the marketing agency? And then um, when did you transition? It was 2013 when we started the agency. And we conceived the idea of the long hairs in 2014. It was part time for about two and a half, maybe three years. And in 2018, we went full time with the long hairs, but still doing a little side work for the agency. And it was just at the very end of 2019 that we closed the agency down entirely. So there was definitely some overlap period, but now it's all long hairs, baby. Yeah, which is amazing. And you've done killer stuff with this platform. And But you started small. You started at something attainable. So your first product was hair ties, just hair ties alone, nothing else. How did you... How did you go from being a digital agency into creating the first physical product? What was that transition like? So the product, I would say, actually didn't come until a little bit later. We just exclusively published content for almost two years, probably about a year and a half before we finally got the hair ties in stock, which is funny because that was the original idea. We were driving home from a client meeting and suddenly it came to us. It's hair ties for guys. That's our thing. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to quit this whole agency thing. Well, it wasn't quite that smooth, but we had really been learning a lot about content. Uh, and the biggest source initially of education for us was copy blogger, which is interestingly how we met. Uh, yeah. but just a, a great deal of excellent information and education about content. And we had this idea that we were going to start creating content and that was going to be the foundation of this brand. So while we were still, our income was still coming from the agency, we still, and sometimes that's all we could do is just barely get a blog post published every week. But we kept doing that until we started getting more comments and a little bit more traction with SEO and social media. And again, it was so small. It was so small to start with, literally just publishing once a week, a few social media posts here and there. But we began collecting email addresses and that was kind of the basis for our community. And we would email out our blog post every week and email addresses. Uh, meanwhile, we were trying to figure out how to make hair ties. We had this idea, but really didn't know how to execute on it. We had no experience or real connections in manufacturing. So we went to the fabric store. We started buying all different sorts of elastics and tying them and trying different things. And then just from being out in the community, going to creative events, there's a pretty global uh, community creative event called Creative Fridays that happens in a lot of cities around the world. 
And we would attend that fairly regularly. And we would tell people about the long hairs and hair ties for guys. And finally, we just met a guy who said, hey, I have some connections in manufacturing and I might be able to help you guys out. Uh, and then we started going through that process and sampling. And the first ones we got just were not good at all. They did not meet our specs and they still were kind of like shiny and sparkly. And they just still had that kind of girly hair ties appearance, which is nothing wrong with that. But we wanted something that was just a little bit more geared towards men and anyhow it took quite a long time to figure things out but just starting with a couple of connections and then working through it and three or four rounds of samples and feedback and improvements and we finally came out with our hair ties for guys at the end of 2015 and they were only six collections they were still pretty rudimentary uh, but over several more purchase orders we ended up putting a sleeve on the hair ties uh, which you can see right here. So they're all individually branded before it was just sewn together. There was not even a sleeve, so there was no marking or anything, but uh, we improved the elastic and uh, improved the consistency with the stretch and the durability of the hair ties. We put the sleeve on there uh, and then we started stitching the sleeve down because it had been glued previously. So just a process of product improvements. And ultimately we've come to, what I would, you know, I think most anyone would agree. They're just the best hair ties in the world for guys or gals or for anyone for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. They're phenomenal. I mean, I love also that you didn't just go out, you didn't white label something existing. I mean, you started with a base. I mean, this is a market that exists. You weren't reinventing the wheel from like the ground floor, but you didn't just say, hey, let's go to China. Let's slap our logo on it and send it out. It's uh, from day one, it was a great product and you were, you were really investing in it. Um, there's seriously so much I want to talk about. So when you were building this community, you were, you were reaching out to people, you were connecting with people. Like we met in person because my hair was, I remember you walked up, you're like, dude, you just, you just passed the awkward stage. And I was just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like my hair had just sort of been reaching my shoulders at that point. And, um, that was one of the things that early on, how much would you say was uh, community building through um, the web versus in person? So you mentioned uh, the Friday events and things like how else were you reaching out to people? Oh, it was definitely both. We did a lot of hand to hand and we still do to this day. One of the things that we created early on was referral cards. And it's just a little business card that says the long hair is on it. Uh, but on the back... You know, you're used to seeing someone's name or what have you, but on the back, and I'll read it here, it reads, a global fraternity for men with long hair, presented to a man with long hair. It's about time we had a place to go. And then you have our website. And we, to this day, I, I bet no fewer than 10,000 of these cards are, are going around the world. I personally handed out probably a 1,000 of them, just like I approached you at that conference years ago. We, anytime I see a guy with long hair, uh, I'll hand him one of these cards and I'll tell him to check us out. I'll show, sometimes I'll mention the hair ties. Sometimes I won't just depending on what that initial reaction is like, but almost invariably it's, it's extremely positive reaction. Guys are like, Whoa, dude, this is sick. Or, uh, <laughs> man, I never knew there was such a thing or wow, this is awesome. And so while our content was being published online, 
and we were emailing it out and building our email list. It was really a digital presence. I mean, that just ground level, grassroots, hand to hand. It's funny because you can't really find a guy with long hair online necessarily, or it's challenging. There's ways, but I could see a guy on the street hundred yards away with long hair and I can spot him <laughs> and uh, go up to him and talk to him. And then once you've had that physical interaction and a, a greeting, then that person's far more likely to go and check out the website. And I would attribute a big part of our early success in community building to those referral cards. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is. And it's something like you said that, I don't know, having long hair, especially a few years ago, you felt like the outsider a little bit. There wasn't, there wasn't a community. You weren't seeing a bunch of guys all over the place. And yeah, like I think that is huge. And yeah, just from day one, you just hit the ground running. You were you were pushing this, but you weren't... Were you seeing this as a potential... So you mentioned hair ties for guys, that's a thing. But did you see it as taking over your your complete revenue and business and everything? Absolutely. I mean, from the very beginning, while we were in the agency life, we were trying, testing out different ideas. And we tried a few things, didn't really stick, just didn't have the juice or the sticking power. and But we... From the beginning, we believed that the agency was more of a means to an end. We knew that we wanted to do our own thing and create something else. I mean, agency is a great business, uh, but there's a million agencies and it is your own business, but you are still working for clients and doing serving others, which is a lot to be said for that. But we always knew we wanted to do our own thing. And so when this idea came to our heads, we're like, oh, yeah, hair ties for guys, uh, 100%. I mean... I don't think we really realized it was going to take the amount of energy and time and effort that it has required to get to this point. But that's what you learn when you start your own idea. And that's, that's what happens. So yeah, we did definitely think it was going to become our full-time business, but uh, we sure didn't know how much work it was going to take. Yeah. So what were some of the other ideas you tried? Were they around long hair or was it completely separate ideas? No, it had nothing to do with long hair. Uh, one of them was kind of, uh, I remember the name that we had come up with it. It was called Swagnetic. And it's this idea okay. of having like a magnetic personality or having a certain swagger, uh, almost like, you know, your Tony Robbins or your personal development or, uh, how to win friends and influence people like the Dale Carnegie and uh, that kind of genre, which we came up with some cool ideas and stuff. But ultimately, again, there's so many people doing it. Like what kind of stuff are we going to create that's better than everybody else's or that's unique or that has a differentiator? And that proved to be a pretty difficult path. So that was one that we actually invested a little bit of time and energy into and just didn't have that staying power. But man, as soon as we came up with hair ties for guys, we just began working on it instantly and we have pursued it ever since that day. And I think we knew from the very beginning, like this is it. Yeah. And I love talking about those because it's not even a failure. It's just, it was a different path that you were trying. And I think a lot of times, like we assume like, oh no, they had this idea, they started, it worked, and now they're here where it is such a winding road. Um, there's a lot of pivots, there's a lot of changes over time that to get to where you are. It just, it, it takes a lot. So absolutely. Let's, let's go forward to, um, you had a little, you had a nice public 
um, experience on TV when you were building this brand. Let's talk a little bit about Shark Tank and how you ended up there. We did. And much like we believed that hair ties for guys and the long hairs was going to be a viable path to pursue, I can say pretty honestly that the first time we thought about, man, we should maybe, you guys should go on Shark Tank. Uh, I think that moment we also believed that we would go on the show. And I would, we believed that we were going to get a deal and that we were probably going to get a deal with Mark Cuban. And that is, in fact, what happened. So in 2017, we went to an open casting. At this point, we had been selling hair ties. We had some sales, not a great deal, but I think on the show, we said that we had $50,000 in lifetime sales to that point, which is not significant, but it's not nothing either. I mean, it's, 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 it's something. And we went to the open casting. That was like an all day, 14 hour day. We have just a great blog post documenting the open casting experience and on into filming. And we got called back the next day and then we had to submit videos and uh, applications. And they always said, you know, you could get cut any minute. There's never a guarantee that you're going to make it on the show. Even if you pitch to the sharks, there's no guarantee that you're going to air, but we just kept following through the process and submitting our materials, submitting our videos, the things that they were asking for. And, Finally, we got the call about maybe four or five months later that, hey, you're going to get a chance to do your pre-pitch. You go and do your pre-pitch at the Sony studios to the producers of the show. And if that goes well, then you're going to get a chance to actually pitch to the Sharks and record. And that was a, a week later. Lots of funny stories involved with that as well. But uh, we got to that day. It was a Monday. And sure enough, we walked down the hallway uh, that you see on TV, uh, adrenaline pumping and the hair was just flowing all time hair day, by the way, I got to tell you, our <laughs> hair was just glorious. Uh, we gave our pitch. We put, I would say one, probably our best performance ever. Like we nailed our pitch. We spoke well, we answered questions. We negotiated. It got pretty hot in there when the bullets were flying, we got a deal <laughs> or we got an offer from Kevin O'Leary kind of one of his booby prize deals uh, with the royalties, $1 from everyone until I get my money back. And we definitely considered it, but didn't really think that was going to be a fit. And uh, it's interesting because our segment on TV was only about 10 minutes, but we were actually on stage for about 45 minutes. And man, it went fast. And the thing that you don't see because of the edits is that everyone's just asking questions at the same time. I mean, one shark is, there's just bullets firing. Mark is talking to Lindsay and Lori's asking me and Kevin's going back and, well, what about this? And they're interrupting each other and it's almost hard to even follow and it starts getting warm. And uh, I mean, it's definitely intense, but it was actually Mark who asked us what we had been doing kind of full-time and we told him about we're a digital marketing agency and we make websites and we do digital marketing. He said, okay, I like you guys because you know what you're doing and I'm going to make you an offer. And he made an offer and then there was kind of a little bit more back and forth. And we both have a suspicion that Kevin was actually about to make an offer, but Mark kind of stamped him out and said, Hey, you guys, you know, I'm not patient. Do you want the deal yeah. or not? went back and forth a couple of times and we ended up landing right at the mark that we had pre decided that this is, we don't really, this is where we want to end up. 
and we secured a deal with Mark Cuban for a 20% investment for $100,000. And Mark came up on stage. We had all the sharks wearing wigs. We passed out wigs <laughs> right before in the beginning. So Mark came it up and me up. started hair whipping with us. And uh, it was an entertaining show, entertaining, memorable show. And yeah, we closed the deal. And then it, it took a few months to go through the due diligence process and actually consummate the deal. But we did make it to that point. And, you know, today Mark's a 20% owner in our business, but we're still trying to get him to grow his hair out. Turns out that's yeah. a tougher deal than getting a hundred grand. <laughs> and it cracked me up too, because if I remember correctly, didn't the dye in his wig actually dye his forehead or something? <laughs> oh, you can see the moment in my face when we realize, <laughs> because the, the wig that we got for Mark was red. We dyed it black the night before because we wanted him to, you know, to look like it was really his hair. And the dye that we used was a spray on dye. And I mean, we let it dry overnight and everything, but it just did not dry for whatever reason. And he was wearing it. And all of a sudden he looks up and he has ink all over his hands and it's on his face <laughs> and it's on his suit. And we're like, oh my God, we're cooked. And that was, if there was a moment of uncertainty, that was definitely it. But he was a great sport. You know, some, someone came off stage and handed him a towel or a rag or something. He kept the wig on. He just wiped his hands off, wiped his face off. And he really took it like a champ. And obviously, he's still invested. So it wasn't that bad. Oh, yeah. And how did you decide on... Um, so you said you hit your mark. You were going for that amount. So there's a lot of preparation and all the time going into it. How did you sort of decide where that mark was based on what you wanted to exchange? Yeah, that's a great question. We knew that we had value. We did our best to be able to provide evidence of the value of our business. Just philosophically, we we believed that our business was going to be worth millions and it would be worth, you know, probably in the neighborhood of a million bucks, but we didn't have the evidence to really show that. So just on principle, we didn't feel comfortable saying that our business was worth a million dollars. So we said 950. So we asked for $95,000 in exchange for 10%, knowing that that could be a high spot. But we, in our meetings and discussions and preparation, we'd established that we don't want to go below a valuation of $500,000. And that would represent 10 times our sales at that point. But we pointed to our following and community and comments and just lots of other metrics, as well as the idea and our own abilities as the two co-founders. And we ended up right at, right at the exact spot that we said, this is our benchmark. We don't want to go any lower. And a lot of deals on Shark Tank end up being close to that as well. So it's not like an uncommon deal, 100,000 for 20%. And, you know, we, Mark said, first of all, we're going to say 100,000 just for easy math. And then we went between like 25%, 15%, back to 20%. And that's where we landed. Yeah. And then moving forward, you have some contact with him, but it's like, it is. this is your company still, right? I mean, it's not like he's stepping in and deciding what you guys are doing. That's right. And Mark has been excellent to work with in that regard. One of the first things he told us is, you know, I'm not in the hair ties business. I don't have long hair. So you guys know more about your business than I do. And you could say he's a relatively silent partner. We do communicate with Mark directly once a month, sometimes a little bit more frequently. 
And there is also Mark Cuban Companies, which is a company with a staff of about 12 or 15 folks who are there to help and offer support to Mark's investment portfolio companies. So we interact with folks on that team a little bit more frequently. But once a month, we email Mark with an update, uh, you know, whether it's sales or here's what we've been working on, etc. And pretty much without fail, Mark replies every single time. And it's always short, quick, to the point, but he makes it a point to respond to us. And it's it's he's given us a lot of encouragement. And uh, actually, we, we were able to go to Dallas and visit and meet Mark in person last October. And that was really an experience. Uh, I could you know go more into it, but ultimately his message was, you guys are doing things the right way and you guys are doing great. Keep the work going. Don't forget that you guys are a club or a, a fraternity. You're a community. And that is what makes you different from other hair ties companies. And so always gravitate towards that community aspect. Make it more like a fraternity. Make it more like a club. Make it more membership-based where you really feel like you're a part of it, which you are. You can't grow. You can't have long hair unless you grow it out for two years or three years. So you've gone through the awkward stage. Uh, you've had hair in your soup or other long hair problems that if you've never had long hair, you would never even realize and so there really is that unique community aspect to it. And, you know, Mark has been extremely encouraging ideas, uh, answering questions, uh, providing resources when it's a good fit. And just overall, it's been a great relationship. And we're really fortunate to be connected with Mark in that way. Yeah. And building that community. I mean, that is you, you were essentially having someone invest in your community and community building skills and everything. What kind of advice would you give someone who's starting out and building a community today? Great question. And I'd pretty much answer this or similar questions, always the same. And you have to just create consistently. Even before the long hairs, we were creating. We were creating for clients. We were trying our own little side business, Swagnetic or these other things. We were constantly creating. But without a doubt, the reason we have made it or one of the first most important reasons was when we started this thing, we said, Lindsay and I basically made a pact with each other that we are going to publish a blog post every single week. And that is the ultimate line of accountability. And if we would have only done one or two or three or 10 or a hundred, who knows? Cause then you just disappear. You're never going to make one post or one video or one piece of content. That's just a grand slam or a, a smash hit. Like maybe eventually, or if you're really lucky, maybe in one of your first 10, but it's probably not, you know, it's going to take a, mm -hmm. a, a lot. And then con just continuity of continuing to build it. If you want to have a community, you have to continue to provide value and one post or one website or social media or whatever is not continue that. So you have to continue providing value and making it worthwhile for your community. If you want to build community, if you want people to stick around, you got to give them a reason to stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you, if you weren't creating, if you weren't in the community with everyone, it's really hard to just like you said, you, you have a blog post, even if one post went viral, why do they stick around? What's right. what's the reason to be there? And you have 
you've both taken your your own personalities and really injected them into the into like the narrative into the the character i mean because el rubio el moreno like you guys are characters but i believe of yourself but cranked up would you say that's sort of accurate absolutely yes absolutely yes it it is still us but just you know kind of a, a character version it's really no more than a moniker but on the other hand it is uh, kind of characters that we have built up and that's another thing that has helped with our success is there's not a whole lot of companies out there where the founders are the face of the brand or not just the face but like the the personality and the character or visibly like all of our videos not nowadays we have more guys coming in and we interview others and we have more people in our community involved with the content but early on it was just me and Linz filming each other taking pictures of each other, writing about our experience with long hair and what it's like. And so it just, the entire really character and personality of the brand really has been us. And that has also helped to build community. Something that we noted on the, the Joe Rogan podcast, and we've heard it in other places as well, is to, for people to gravitate towards you, they have to want to hang out with you. And I would like to believe that a lot of, you know, I, well, I know they do because we've done events and things and we have fun, you know, we have, Oh yeah. It's fun. It's fun to hang out. We, we have a good time and I think we're very accepting and welcoming of people and give people a, a sense of belonging and acceptance. And so all those character personality traits that have gone into the brand have become one of the more attractive qualities of the brand. Yeah, to be just a product company without the face, without the person, like people relate to you, people relate to Lindsay because, I mean, you make the content entertaining. I mean, I remember because when we first met, Lindsay actually showed me that the trailer for the hair ties. So this is yes. way before you even had like sort of the ties really rolling and and like you just you you owned that character. You just like sitting at the bar, like do it. I don't know. It was really just entertaining. And I'm like, oh, they they they've got something here. Like you're you were clearly from day one. Like you're investing in it both personally and like monetarily. But you were like, we're creating something different. Which I've yeah I've loved it since the beginning. That's why I've always just sort of kept tabs on you and I use you guys as a reference a lot. Just because when I'm talking to people, I'm like, you you can build something in a space that. Other people would be like, no, you know, there's no way you can make money from men with long hair. But I'm sure you had a lot of people <laughs> say that along the way. But but genuinely, you found you found that path. And how long in your journey would you say before you sort of brought on your first hires, whether they're contractors or employees, sort of how long did it take and what kind of metrics were you looking for to know mm. that we need to bring someone in? Mm -hmm. So... We've used a lot of, we started mostly with contractors for a long time. In fact, when we had that idea of hair ties for guys, we made that commercial that you are referencing within a week. We were so pumped on the idea that we ripped off a script for this video like that night. And within a few days we were shooting it. And in that case, we uh, hired a friend, you know, just a contract basis to help us shoot the video and produce the video and throughout, we had used a few contractors here and there. I think within about, within that first year, it became evident that we couldn't 
manage all of our social media by ourselves or we would love to, but you know, if you dive in, you could end up being on thing for two hours and like, how are you doing the other stuff if you're on social media all day? So we did bring on a contractor to help with social media, uh, definitely for design. Uh, and, but it wasn't until we actually got into revenue and started making enough money that we could bring on a full-time employee. Now we have one full-time employee and three part-time folks, one who is actually an employee and two others who are contractors, uh, but who work with us on a pretty consistent basis. How was that transition then going sort of from being, being the every, everything guys to now you are like the boss, you're still doing so much, but how was it sort of managing employees? Uh, it's hard because you want to say everything and maybe probably a lot of founders are like this, like, I want to control all the messages that are going out. I want to really very care. We're very careful about what we say and how we say it and not like we're worried, but because we're just thoughtful about what do we think about this? Like what would the long hairs say about this topic or about this post or whatever? And so a, you have to do it all yourself first to get a good feel for how it needs to be done establishing a process. This is how we do things uh, at the long hairs. Uh, And then you need to bring on someone that you can trust to speak in the voice of your brand. And I think we got very lucky with our social media guy, El Chacarino, uh, who's been doing our social media for probably four years now. We met him at his portfolio show when he was just finishing off college at the Art Institute. And he has really learned his craft in terms of social media, but he is a guy that we have always trusted. He's understood the brand. He's understood the way that we speak, like our, if it's our lingo or what would we say about this or that? Uh, he, he reads the, you know, blog posts and stuff. So he's very, very familiar with our brand. So part of that was just getting, finding the right person, but then really taking the time up front to explain this is how we are. This is how we speak. These are the types of words that here's something that we would never say. Here's something that we would always say. Here's how we'd respond to this question. It's a lot of coaching and bringing people up to speed uh, to, to develop the trust where, you know, Chuck can now really speak for our brand on almost anything. And that is a huge, hugely important thing to us. And I would say very much the same for our other staff. Maybe they don't have as much like face-to-face with the customers or with the community, but in their lane, they still have that sense of who we are and how we do things. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to your employees, I know at least one, um, how many don't have long hair that are men? Well, uh, when we first started hiring Gustavo as a designer, as a contractor, he had short hair. Oh, and did now he? I didn't he realize has, that. Yeah, he had like uh, super short hair. And I, I honestly can't say how much influence we had on that, but he started growing his hair out and shoot, man, his hair is as long as anyone else's here now. And he even donated like 16 inches, I think, last year at the Great Cut. And now it's already long again. Little kind of jealous. Maybe his hair is growing faster than mine, but you know, we got to live with that. We're all growing at our own speeds here. It's not a race. Uh, Mm -hmm. And now we are pleased to report that El Chacarino, after years of harassment and heavy 
coercion. He is finally committed to growing his hair long, and he is in the thick of the awkward stage. Uh, he's taking it day to day with his fiance, uh, navigating those waters, and also our email guy Evan uh, is growing his hair out as well for the first time. He's right in the thick of the awkward stage as well. So we're working on a one hundred percent long hair ratio on the team. <laughs> nice, and you um, you have a bunch of products now. So you say the awkward stage, you have some products to sort of help with that because you can cover. I mean, you were in one of the, one of the hats, one of the lids right now. And yep. um, what other products have you expanded into since the hair ties? Yeah. So one of the first ones was head wraps and I don't have one immediately on my, but they're like headbands, but kind of like thicker headbands that would cover your, your whole forehead. And they are actually really nice for the awkward stage because you're like, what do I do with my hair sort of thing? And they'll keep your hair out of your face and at least keep it in one place. Uh, they're great for working out. I honestly wasn't a huge headband guy previously, but when we started making the head wraps, as we call them, I love them now. And I, I use them for working out and all sorts of different things. And those became quickly one of our uh, bigger product lines. Hair ties is always number one. It always has been and I'm sure always will be. Uh, then we developed a hair serum, which is like a really nice argon oil hair serum that you just put in the tips of your hair and it smooths it out and makes it real nice and easy to comb out, detangling, just a really nice product. And then, shoot, it took us probably three years, but we finally launched the shampoo and conditioner, Epic Cleanse and Ideal Conditions. And those have quickly become our number two product line behind hair ties for guys. And then we have some of these ancillary products like the lids. They're cool. A lot of people buy them, but those are more like the, the, the hardcore like brand people who are totally down or friends and family, that sort of thing who don't have long hair, but they still want to rep the brand. Uh, and then we have some apparel items as well. T-shirts, tanks, sweatshirts. Again, the, the lids, uh, also beanies and the apparel, those are kind of ancillary product lines. Uh, it's not really like a huge revenue source for us, but for people who want to rep the brand, we want that stuff to be available. And so we try to price that stuff as low as we can. We don't really try to make a lot of money on those types of products, maybe a little bit, but we just want people to be able to rock our stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it helps you too, because I mean, you see the tied up uh, scissors and it's, it's, it's representative of the community, but also then it's like, oh, hey, what is that? I like how that looks. It's cool. And from day one, pretty much you had that design, didn't you, for your yes. logo? Yes. That was another person we hired as a contract uh, right off the bat to develop this logo. And we told him what we want. We wanted like kind of a classic old school feel whatever we gave him kind of the whole creative brief and first shot right out of the bang he just nailed it this is like the flat version but uh if you look on our website or wherever else there's a very there's a more detailed version where you can see kind of the shadows and like the light gleaming off of the shears and it just we immediately saw it and knew i mean that's it that says it it says what we are and it looks awesome it has the right feel and to this day, I think three or four guys have gotten the logo tattooed on their bodies and not yeah, in any wild. small, 
like one guy, I think both of them were at least like 10 inches tall. One guy wow. got it on his arm recently. One guy got it on his back, another smaller one on his ankle. And that's one of the coolest things that uh, a mark has, it resonates enough with someone that they can see on themselves permanently. And it's part of them now. Yeah, it's indicative of really the truly like how you've built this community. I mean, people are really connected. You've you've given people a spot to come together, which is so valuable both both from a business perspective, but truly just for the customers, for the individuals in the community. I mean, I I know people really appreciate that. So I mean that's very cool. To that point, something that's really important to us is we try to help people. People want to feel good about themselves. They want to feel confident. They want to feel like they fit in. And guys in particular, I know myself and, you know, it can be really hard to fit in and you're not in the cool crowd or, and then if you grow your hair out, it's very possible you could be ostracized or made fun of or teased or whatever. And now instead of, you know, getting negative feedback about your hair, that is part of why you are being accepted and welcomed and made to feel confident about yourself. And I think that's a huge part of why we've been able to establish a community because we try to help men feel more confident in themselves and their masculinity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you've even gone so far as I've seen a lot of things around like young, like boys, like children, actually, when, some things happen in maybe school or whatnot. Like I like how you advocate, you just advocate in general for acceptance truly is what it, I feel like it comes down to. We do. Absolutely. And we often hear stories about kids being made to cut their hair for school grooming policies. It happens with adults also, but more so with kids. And so we've created a lot of content around that topic and we're, we're here for the little guys uh, kids getting bullied, that sort of thing. We put a lot of messages out there. Uh, we've tried to provide some tactics uh, for families and kids in the pursuit of hair equality, starting with you know diplomatic. Let's look at the policies. Hey, is this ready for an update? Maybe this whole thing needs a whole update. And what a great opportunity for all the stakeholders to come together and uh, decide on what's reasonable. And uh, we've had a lot of success stories of uh, kids and families getting the school policy changed. And there have been other bigger ones that have been in the media, like DeAndre Arnold, for example, went on Ellen. That was a big deal. But there's a lot of stories out there like that. And we gravitate th towards those pretty quickly because, again, we're uh, advocating for hair equality and trying to make you know people feel good about themselves. Yeah. And so to jump forward a little bit then. I don't want to take too much of your time. The great cut. I know that is a big, I mean, you, this is, this is sort of at the core of what you're doing. So tell me a little bit about that and what that entails. It is. Uh, and sitting with another business owner, uh, maybe a year and a half ago before the great cut happened, he looked at us and said, wow, you guys really aren't taking the easy path. Are you? Yeah. Uh, he said that because we did an event last year. Well, let me back up just a little bit. We have a charity partner that we established years ago, Children with Hair Loss. They're an organization that provides customized 
quality hair replacements to children with medically related hair loss. It could be cancer treatment, but it also could be alopecia, trichotillomania, burn victims, any medically related diagnosis. And Children with Hair Loss provides those hair replacements completely free of charge to the children and their families. They've never denied a child for any reason. They're just an excellent organization. So we started off from our first sale. We started donating $1 for every sale to this cause. Uh, to date, we've donated, I don't know, well over $50,000. I'd have to look at the up-to-date numbers. Uh, but we wanted to do more. And this even was in the agency days. We had decided, we had kind of established as one of our long-term goals that we wanted to have a large-scale event that would have a significant impact on the community. Had no idea what that was going to be or what it was going to look like or anything, but we knew we wanted to do something extraordinary. And so a couple of years later, we announced we were going to do this thing that we eventually called the great cut. And it was going to be a charity hair donation. We we're going to try to break the Guinness world record for the largest hair donation in history. And it's one thing to announce it and put it out on paper, but that had power because it forced us to do it because we told people we were going to do it and we committed to it. And man, we got about a year, year and a half out and uh, this thing's really creeping up on us here. And we had to start working on it. So it did happen last, uh, it was March 16th, 2019. And I could say without a doubt, it was just the greatest energy effort that we have ever put into something. And kind of just two guys with the help that we were able to recruit. Uh, we did pay like an event planner to help us. And mostly everything else was volunteers and sponsors and just sharing our vision with people and getting people on board uh, ultimately we had a, a big event. There was about 1200 people at the event. Uh, but we also accepted mail-in donations and between people who cut their hair at the event and mail-in donations, we had 2,834 hair donations, which worked out to 339 pounds of hair, breaking the Guinness world record by less than half a pound uh, and raising over $50,000 for children with hair loss in the meantime. And it was just, uh, it was, I could say the greatest achievement of my life so far and probably the greatest achievement of our business up to this point, other than obviously just making it this far. Yeah. I mean, giving beyond yourself. I mean, you're not just, you're building a business, but you're also like paying it forward, which is it's amazing. And at the, so you have another great cut coming up in 2024. Is that correct? Yes. Once all the dust settled, one of the biggest questions we kept getting was, are you guys going to do it again? And we were not eager to jump back into the mayhem of the planning and the organization. Plus we had to grow our hair back out and so did everyone else who <laughs> cut it. So we decided to make it five years later. So we have announced the Great Cut 2024, and we have already started recruiting folks not only to join, but to actually start growing your hair now, because anyone can grow their hair long enough in four years uh, who can grow hair. Uh, mm -hmm. Four years is long enough for anyone to grow their hair long enough to donate by that time. And after kind of the one-year anniversary this last March, we created a new couple of t-shirt designs 
They have a really cool like measuring tool on the back where it's, you know, shows the, how many inches your hair is and how many inches you can donate and the minimum donation and the preferred donation. And, uh, we have a logo for the great cut 2024 and I can't say for sure, but I bet probably a hundred of those t-shirts we've already sold. And we price those again, like really low. I think we only make like a dollar on those shirts. Like we're not trying to make money, but anyone who buys one of those shirts, pretty sure a, they're going to be growing their hair out. B they're going to join the great cut. And between now and then they're probably telling other people about it and recruiting their friends to grow their hair out. And kind of an ancillary benefit to that is when people give you grief about having long hair, you should get a haircut hippie or whatever else you know, boom, just instant response. Well, I'm growing my hair to donate. Why don't you grow your hair and donate it with me? And it really just immediately disarms those kind of comments. And in a lot of ways, it gives guys an excuse to grow their hair or a valid reason to grow their hair out other than just like, oh, you know, I just wanted to kind of see how it looks. Well, it looks terrible. You should cut it. Well, so you have a lot stronger response to those nays to the naysayers when you're saying you're growing your hair out to cut it. Yeah, yeah, for a cause uh, and, to donate it, I should say. Yeah. Um. So, what is the minimum that um can be donated? And I know you're going you're going all in this year. I am going time. all in this time around. Uh, last time Lindsay shaved his head. So both of us had hair almost down to our waist. Not quite. Lindsay shaved his head completely and donated 24 inches, but someone kind of still needed to try out the products. Like we couldn't all shave our heads. Someone needed (laughs) to still have long hair. So I cut mine to my shoulders. I donated about 16 inches. Uh, but now this next time around, uh, the roles are flipped and I have announced on record that I will in fact shave my head at the great cut 2024, however long my hair will be at that point. The minimum donation is eight inches, although really they're looking for donations of 12 inches and longer because most of the kids, especially the little girls, they want long hair for their hair replacement. So if it's an eight inch donation, you can they can still make a hair replacement out of it, but it's obviously going to be shorter. So 12, 14, 16 inches, those are the most valuable donations. So that's what we're uh, even on the back of the t-shirts, it says the preferred donation. There's a line marked at that 12 inch donation mark. Yeah. I love that t-shirt idea as well. I didn't realize you had those. I hadn't seen them yet. I'll have to take a look. I really like that. Yeah. They're pretty new. There's a couple of different designs, but yeah, they're, they're totally cool and people are really digging them so far. It's just, it's a great boost of confidence every single time someone buys one of those shirts. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to take too much of your time, but Um, how should people follow along with what you're up to? Yeah, please come and check us out at thelonghairs.us. That's our main website where our shop is. And there you can also link to our blog, which is where all of our content is located. But we also have a website dedicated to The Great Cut. It's simply thegreatcut.us. And you can see kind of a recap of the incredible Great Cut in 2019 and the preliminary plans for 2024 and kind of get the whole rundown on the great cut. Uh, Of course, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, those are our three main social channels. Uh, It's at the long hairs for both Instagram and Twitter. And on Facebook, uh, just search the long hairs and you'll see the bounce shears pop up and you'll know you're in the right place. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, thanks again for doing this. I mean, I'm I'm hoping some people out there are going to sort of take the take the call and start growing their hair out and ideally to donate in 2024. I'm going to see what I can do. My hair seems to have this like terminal length. It's like up here. It yeah. It only grows like to my chin. It's weird. So it just doesn't go further than that. But yeah. I'm going to see what I can do. At the least, I want to be a part this year. I want to get out to San Diego, get to the event and see, uh, yeah, be part of it firsthand because it looked it looked phenomenal last time it really was it was just so special the feeling the energy the love that was in that building all day long and even for folks who are not going to donate they're like we're not trying to shame anyone there was some people who had long hair and who didn't cut it at the thing and that's fine but you could still come and join in and be part of it uh donate to it or even buy a ticket to the event or there's a million ways that you can support the event without necessarily cutting your hair although at the end of the day we do need hair donations, but uh, you could probably ask any one of the 1,200 people who attended last year, and I'll bet most of them, if not all, are going to be joining again in 2024. And hey, we hope to see you there, Jeff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, thanks again, El Rubio, and we will talk soon. Absolutely. Good luck with the show here. Great show you got started and uh, happy to be a guest. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much. All right, man. Mm -hmm. Take care. See you. See you. I want to thank Chris for chatting today. Be sure to head on over to longhairs.us to join their community. And while you're there, Chris actually created a discount code just for us. Enter starting-now to get 25% off hair ties, shampoo, or any of their other products through the end of this month. I mean, that's June 2020 when, you're, when I'm recording this. Again, that's longhairs.us and use the coupon code starting-now. As always, this episode is brought to you by Built, your website built for you simply. Built is our platform for helping you start your online business. Head on over to built.co, that's B-Y-L-T.co to get started. And while you're there, be sure to join our community by hopping on our email newsletter, Resilient. Resilient is our semi-weekly email about minimalist business and self-reliance. Once again, that's built.co, B-Y-L-T.co. And finally, if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, follow us on YouTube or wherever you're listening right now. Once again, I'm Jeff Saris. This is Starting Now, and I hope that this conversation has inspired you to get started on your next big idea. Anyway, until next week, see ya.